Friends, our scripture reading this morning is from Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read together verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say together, Thanks be to God. Amen. This Sunday is one of my favorite Sundays of the year, and I also think it's one of our most important Sundays of the year as a community of believers. Because on this day that we call All Saints Day, we create intentional space in worship to grieve and to remember and to give thanks for and to reflect on those saints of our faith, of our church, of the lives of those who have gone on to glory. This day, in part, is about recognizing that we would not be where we are today without the folks who have gone before us. Whether this is a loved one in your life or one of the founding members of this church or a giant of the faith that had great influence on you and and your family. I mean, today is about recognizing that we are truly surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. I know that for me, this day seems to roll around right when I need it every single year. Maybe it's because it falls just before that Thanksgiving, Christmas, holiday season when grief can often bubble back up to the surface of our lives. But I know that for me, this is a day that I, that I cherish and a day that I think equips us to truly run our race well. And I think the scripture that we just read together speaks directly into this moment for us that we are sharing today. And it's a big reason why it's a very popular text to read on All Saints Day across the world. This passage that we find in Hebrews is in the latter half of a section where folks of great faith are being remembered. Hebrews 11, the chapter right before the one we just read from, reads almost like a hall of fame for the great giants and saints of the faith, specifically from the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament stories. And I'm sure many of you are familiar with that chapter of Scripture. Noah and Abraham and Moses and then a whole list of Israelite heroes are all named and remembered again. Look, as a way for them to say that we would not be where we are today if it were not for the way that they lived. The faith that they carried and their willingness to sacrifice for the sake of where they felt like God was calling them to go. In our scripture, when that great cloud of witnesses is referenced, those are the ones who we are talking about being in that cloud. I think Hebrews 11 is, is a great chapter of scripture for you to read sometime today. Sometime today or maybe tonight before you go to sleep, because look, it is just so full of hope. And I really do think it gives us a, a pretty great template to follow for how to remember well 
those who have gone before us. My guess is that you already do this in, in some capacity with people in your own life. You may not do this on a regular basis with Moses or Abraham, but I bet you do it with your loved ones or with your close friends, those people in your life that have passed, but you can't help but remember the impact that they had on you. Every year on All Saints Sunday, I find myself thinking about my grandfather, Pete Furio, and I know that many of you have heard me talk about him. I know that many of you knew him. He was a United Methodist pastor that served in this conference, and he passed when I was in about the fourth grade, so I do have some memories with him, but my main avenue for knowing him and learning about his ministry and about who he was as, as a person is by how others remember him. And I cannot tell you how many people have come up to me after recognizing my last name and told me that, that the reason that they follow Christ is in some part because of Pete's ministry or some way that he practiced presence with them when they were going through one of the toughest times of, of their life. This has happened all over the place for me. I was on a high school choir tour, and we were singing at some random United Methodist Church in San Diego, California, and somebody picked my last name out of the handout that we gave out when folks came in for our concert. They waited around for 45 minutes after our performance just so that they could find me and tell me the impact that Pete had on their life. Or this story that I heard at his funeral of him introducing a new young associate to one of his churches. At Pete's funeral, this former associate got up and talked about how nervous he was to be preaching his first sermon at this new cathedral church. And so Pete got up there and just gave a booming introduction for this associate pastor like only a seasoned senior pastor can, can pull off, which of course made this young associate even more nervous than he already was, right? And as Pete finished and he called the associate up to the pulpit, they walked by one another, and this is before the days of the microphone attached to your face, because I trust Patrick, but I don't trust Patrick this much, okay? They pass each other, and Pete whispers, your fly's down. <laughs> Which was the perfect thing to say to slice right through the tension. And the way he tells it is that for a moment he looked down, and then he remembered that he had a robe on. But before he knew it, all of those nerves had faded into the background. Or for the work that Pete did founding St. Mark United Methodist Church in Vestavia, right off Columbiana, and the ministry that has been done there because of the foundation that he helped, that he helped yet lay. Just yesterday at our marriage retreat, someone that goes to church here came up to me and said that they had some connection to St. Mark and went on to tell me about the impact that Pete had had on the faith journey of their family. Y'all, there are even folks that sing in our choir that were in Pete's youth group as middle schoolers and high schoolers. My point is this. 
My whole life I have watched and heard Pete be remembered for the impact that he made. And I would be lying to you if I said that that wasn't motivation for me and for my ministry. Because I want to be remembered for those same things. I want to be remembered the way that he is remembered. I want to have an impact on the kingdom of God like it surely does seem like he had on the kingdom of God. And I think for us on a day like this, that's a pretty natural turn for us to begin to make. That as we remember those who have gone before us, the path that they have blazed, the work that they have done, it forces us to begin to ask ourselves the question, how will we be remembered? I think that's a turn that we see our Scripture make this morning. Because if you notice in the text that we read, it goes from remembering and giving thanks for that great cloud of witnesses to suddenly, because of them, because of the legacy that they left, because of what they have taught us, because of how they impacted us, because of what they left instilled in us, that we, here and now, would run our own race with perseverance, like they did, looking to Christ as our ultimate example, so that one day we, too, would be a part of that great cloud of witnesses. If you're like me, the more you remember and give thanks for those that have gone before you, the more you yearn to be remembered for your impact and for the life of faith that you lived. Something that nobody really prepares you for is how having a child really kicks that thought process completely into overdrive. And I know that many of you have experienced this. But for me, our son Reed is a little over a year and a half uh, years old, and ever since his birth, I have thought more about how I will be remembered, specifically how Reed will remember me, than I ever thought I would. And I could list for way longer than I have time for all of the things that I have decided that I am hoping Reed will remember me for. Or in other words, the things that I hope to reveal to him by the way that I live and the decisions that I make. I want him to remember me for being kind to people who may not deserve it. I want him to remember me for being patient and for being centered and calm in the midst of chaos. I want him to remember me for how he saw me love others. I want him to remember how I tried to invite people into community who were desperately looking for a place to belong. I want him to remember my willingness to go where God is leading. I want him to remember how he saw me trust God even when he knew I didn't fully understand what God was up to. I want Reed to remember me for my faith. I want him to remember the life that I lived and how that reflects the life that Jesus calls us to live. I spent some time this week writing those things down. It's something that I started to do last year, which was my first All Saints Day with with a child, and it's something that I made sure to do again this year. And it's something that I would invite you to do this week. How do you want to be remembered? What kind of legacy do you want 
to leave? What kind of impact do you want to have? What do you want those closest to you to remember you for? And those same questions can be asked of our church. How do we want the people in this community to remember this season, this generation of people who make up Bluff Park United Methodist Church? I don't know about you, but I would want to be remembered like this. And this is my absolute favorite story about Pete. One Sunday morning, he was up in the pulpit of the church that he was serving. He was doing the opening announcements and the prayer and something like that, when suddenly a woman walked in and sat in the balcony. And some context here, at at this church, really nobody sat in, in the balcony. The floor pews could sit the entire congregation, and the balcony was really small and really just had a few chairs spaced out up there. So, so truly, really no one ever sat in the balcony. And because of that, when this woman walked in, the only people that noticed were him and his choir director. The rest of the congregation had, had no idea. And this woman was wearing what kind of looked like tattered rags, and her hair was a mess going in all different directions, and she had a streak of dirt across her face. All that to say, it wasn't hard to tell that she was very much out of place. She clearly didn't get the memo of wearing your Sunday best. And the way it was told to me is that she kind of wobbled into the balcony and, and sat down right in the center, right in front of Pete. And I can only imagine the questions that he had running through his mind. But he played it cool. And the service went on. They sang a hymn or two, and still no one in the congregation knew that she was up there. And Pete got up to pray over the offering and called the ushers forward. And as he was saying, could our ushers come forward? Suddenly, suddenly she stood up and interrupted him and yelled from the balcony, Pastor, I've got something to say. Now, this was a United Methodist Church, okay? So, so yelling in church wasn't really a part of the normal routine, and most of you seem to have kind of got, got that memo, right? And so much like if something like that were to happen in here this morning, every head suddenly whipped around to see who in the world didn't know how to behave in this space of worship. And so now, of course, everybody knew. And suddenly everyone was waiting to see what he was going to say. And it became one of those standoff moments where it was probably less than 10 seconds, but to everyone in the room it felt like 10 minutes while everyone asked the same question in their head, what is he going to do? If that were to happen today, I wonder what you would want me to do. What would you be screaming in your head for me to say in that moment? Get her out? Invite her to stay? Would you be curious or afraid? He looked up at her and said, Sister, what's on your heart? Which I think is probably the most courageous response you could have in that moment. Or the most foolish one, depending how you look at it. And she just stood there in silence for a moment, I think probably amazed at his reaction. And then she opened her mouth, and she began to sing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. 
was blind, but now I see. And she wept as she sang. For me, I know that I want to be remembered for treating people like that. I want to be remembered for living like Jesus. Friends, this day is about creating room to grieve those that we have lost and to give thanks for the impact that their lives had on us. But it's also a day to reflect on how we would like to be remembered. More than that, I think it is a day to remember what should be guiding us as we seek to live a life of faith. And that is simply our calling to be the hands and feet of Jesus so that we too might run our race well. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey friends, my name is Ross Furio. I am one of the pastors here at Bluff Park United Methodist Church. And I am so glad that you joined us this week for our message. I want to remind you that if you ever want to join us in person for worship, we are here every Sunday morning. We have two worship services, both at 10 a.m. One is a modern worship service in the chapel. We call it the gathering. And the other is our traditional worship service in our main sanctuary. Again, both of those are at 10 every Sunday morning here on our campus. If you need us for any reason, I hope that you will jump on our website, www.bluffparkumc.org. You'll find ways to contact any of the pastors here on staff. We are here for you, here to walk with you through life in, in any way that you might need support. We hope that you're going to have a great week, and hopefully we'll see you soon.